Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nature Folk. This is Selena Fox. And tonight we're going to explore some ways of doing sacred work with Bridget. Bridget is an ancient Celtic goddess. For some, she is an all-goddess with many facets, many attributes, many ways of being. For others, she is a goddess of a specific form. Some see Bridget as a triple goddess of inspiration, of healing, and of the forge. Some say she is actually three goddesses in one. Others see each of those three forms as being aspects of her, and still others recognize that in addition to those three aspects, she has other faces and forms as well. Tonight, I will share with you some of my own ways of doing sacred work with Bridget, and will also share some Bridget lore, some information about Bridget symbols, customs, and traditions. Let's begin with a calling of Bridget. Bridget, come to us. Bridget, be with us. Bridget, be in us. Welcome. One way of working with the goddess Bridget is to create an altar or shrine using one or more of her images and symbols. Using that sacred place as a nexus, as a focal point for attuning to her, through meditation, prayer, chanting, visualization, ritual. In my own home, I keep a shrine to Bridget. And during the course of the year, I change some of the imagery around an image that I have of Bridget to correlate 
with the changing of the seasons. For some, they create a Bridget altar as part of Imok celebrations, which in the Northern Hemisphere are on or near January 31st, February 1st, and February 2nd. For others, the shrine is a year-round process of spiritual attunement. Being able to deepen connections with Bridget can come through study, researching her history, traditions associated with her across cultures and spiritual paths, being aware of symbols and lore, stories, being able to connect with others who also are attuned to Bridget. One of the things that I have found helpful is to use Bridget's sacred name or forms of her name as a way of connecting with her at her shrine and in individual, small group, and large group rituals that I facilitate. One of her attributes is to be the goddess of sacred springs and holy wells. One of the sites that I care for that's an outdoor place dedicated to Bridget is Bridget Spring, which is located at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve near Barneveld, Wisconsin in north central USA. The following chant is something that I developed through my work with her at Bridget Spring, a place that not only is connected with her, but connected with her in her form of healing and wellness goddess. Lady of the Sacred Spring, heal us as your name we sing, Bridget, Bridget, Bridget. Lady of the Sacred Spring, heal us as your name we sing. Bridget, Bridget, Bridget. And singing her name 
on calling on her as the goddess of the sacred spring, of holy wells, of sacred waters. We connect with an ancient form of her. Indeed, the custom of taking strips of cloth and placing them on a tree or other area near a holy well or spring is something that continues to this day. We do a version of this at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve. Um, sometimes this is called the Cludy Well Custom. We have grapevine hoops, and we tie ribbons and strips of cloth on the hoops and hang them on tree limbs and on shepherd's hooks that we have hanging over the spring. One of our traditions is to take the ribbon or cloth before we tie it onto the grapevine hoop and actually dip it in the spring as we put forth prayers for ourselves, for the planet, for specific individuals who are in need of healing. We take water from our healing spring and use it in healing rituals. At our Imok ritual, we hold as part of our Bridget's Festival every year, the first Saturday in February, we will take water and place it in a large bowl or cauldron to be a representation of Bridget in her sacred water aspect and to have that symbolically link us with the spring, not only at Circle Sanctuary Land, but the tradition of her doing healing work at springs and wells dedicated to her in many places on the planet. Another tradition connected with Bridget is that of her as Sun Maiden. One of her symbols is an equal armed cross. And a variant of that typically made of straw or rushes is that of the Bridget's cross or Bridget's wheel. These symbols connect Bridget with the sun at the four quarter points. Some say the four quarter points of the Celtic fire festivals, Imbolc being the beginning of the Celtic spring, Beltane, the Celtic summer, Lunasa, the Celtic autumn, and Samhain, the Celtic winter. Others see 
the four points of the Bridget's class is actually aligned to solar holidays of the solstices and the equinoxes. Some will call upon Bridget as sun maiden in invoking her as a goddess crowned with light whose head radiates sun rays. And in some traditions of contemporary paganism, a living representation of Bridget the Maiden takes the form of a young woman dressed in white with a crown of candles, actual living flames on candles, or what more commonly is done these days, battery-operated candles. And she makes an appearance in Imolk rituals as a representation not only of the sun maiden, but of the waxing light of the solar year. Indeed, it is at this time of year, late January and the first part of February, that it becomes very noticeable that the days are getting longer and that the solar year, which began at Yule, is continuing with the waxing of the light, the lengthening of the days, the warming of the land. Another form of sacred work with Bridget is that of her being the goddess of the forge. Indeed, in some of our Imok ceremonies, we have brought an anvil in and a hammer. And during invocations of her in that aspect, the person doing the calling will hit the anvil as a way of calling on her as the goddess of the forge. Now, the forge and blacksmithing typically is involved with iron craft, but Bridget also is connected with goldsmithing. Indeed, with a variety of forge activities, and some have chosen to work with Bridget in sacred ways to be the goddess of all things mechanical, since men, many machines have iron and steel as parts. Some work with Bridget with any type of engine. Some work with Bridget in an even more inclusive way as the goddess of arts and crafts, not just smithcraft. One way of being able to celebrate Bridget as goddesses of the smithcraft and arts and crafts 
is to have those taking part in a group ritual all bring something that they have crafted. This could be an object. This could be a poem. This could be a painting. Um, and to place that on the altar to symbolize not only creative arts, but to bless art-making activities and crafting activities. Another form of Bridget's sacred work is that of bardcraft. She, as goddess of inspiration, Bridget as goddess of poetry, of stories, of performing arts. Bridget as goddess of the bards. One way of honoring her in this fashion is to create a spoken or sung poetic or prose invocation of Bridget, honoring of Bridget, a thanksgiving of Bridget. Some will create bardic circles, not only at Imult time, her sacred feast day, but at times throughout the year. Each person who takes part in the bardic circle brings along a poem or a song or some type of contribution to share. She's invoked at the beginning of the bardic circle and then one by one, each of those who have gathered does a song, tells a tale, leads a chant, enacts a scene, makes some form of creative contribution in this form of bardic sharing circle. And then just as Bridget is invoked at the beginning, at the conclusion, she is thanked. Bridget is a creative goddess and is said to have invented whistling and keening. Keening being a blend of release of grief in a melodic and mournful fashion. Indeed, keening is seen as a kind of healing sound. At our Samhain gatherings, 
at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve, in our main Samhain ceremony, we often over the years have had a time for grief release as we remember those who have died in the past year at this time when the veil between the world of the living and the world of the dead grows thin and communication and contact is more possible. We have a time of collective keening. And even those who have not lost a loved one to keen for will join in the keening to give support for those who are mourning their dead. It can be a very powerful way of releasing grief, not only at a solemn ceremony, but in some funerals, memorials, um, burials, in which a specific dead loved one is being remembered and honored and mourned. To not only have a few people doing the keening, but to have it available for everyone to collectively join in this healing sound. Bridget, as goddess of healing, can be worked with in a variety of ways. One way is in her form as goddess of sacred fire. Using the same melody as the Lady of the Sacred Spring chant, I developed a chant called Bridget of the Sacred Flame. Lady of the sacred flame, heal us as we call your name. Bridget, Bridget, Bridget. A variation of this goes like this. Lady of the sacred flame, Heal the ones that we now name, Bridget, Bridget, Bridget. And as that chant is done over her name and over the chant, the names of those in need of healing are called. Some tend a sacred flame throughout a Bridget healing ritual. Some will kindle a candle for each one in need of healing and have an entire Bridget altar dedicated to her as the goddess of healing light, of healing power, of healing fire. Bridget can take a variety of healing forms. Some will work with Bridget 
and healing. In some of her many facets, invoking her as goddess of the healing earth, as goddess of the healing air, as goddess of the healing fire, as goddess of the healing water, and goddess of the healing spirit. Some will chant her name throughout a ceremony dedicated to healing and using that as a common sound, doing specific healing work, such as tying a cloth or a ribbon on a grapevine hoop or on a tree for each one needing healing, kindling a candle, pouring water in a cauldron, a bit of water for each one being named, writing names on a petition, and then that petition is burned in a sacred fire to send the healing to all those named all for manifestation. There's many forms of working with Bridget in healing. Some work with Bridget for healing self, and this may be by envisioning her glowing with a radiant light and then merging with her and having that healing light be internalized as one envisions a oneness with Bridget as goddess of healing and well-being. Another thing that one can do for personal healing is a guided meditation envisioning self going to a healing sanctuary, a healing grove, a fire temple, a holy well, or some other place associated with Bridget in healing. Uh, guiding the meditation for oneself or what is more common, uh, taking part in a guided meditation facilitated by a meditation leader, going into the sacred place, petitioning Bridget, receiving her guidance, envisioning receiving her healing blessing, receiving healing instructions for manifesting the healing in day-to-day life long after the guided meditation is 
over. And also an important part of guided journeys of healing with Bridget is to incorporate a thanksgiving to her and a period of time of reflection and integration of the healing guidance, of the healing power that one has experienced. Bridget is associated with the land in some traditions. Indeed, there is lore about Bridget seeking to have land for a monastery, and this is Bridget Lore as she morphed into Christian saint, and was told that she could have as much land as she could cover with her cloak. And her cloak, according to one tale, magically expanded to cover a large area of land. The magic of Bridget's mantle is something that not only appears in the lore, but is something that people work with to this day. In Ireland, at her holy place of Kildare, which is um, the place of the oaks, that is the center of her worship, not only in Christian times, but prior to that, it is said that a Bridget Fire Temple was there as well as one of her holy wells. So it was an ancient pagan site as well. In contemporary times, there are Brigantine nuns who are keeping alive old traditions of St. Bridget and Bridget, as well as evolving some new traditions. Those taking part in Bridget's Night celebrations, January 31st, will take cloth and set it outside on the land of Kildare for Bridget to bless on Bridget's night and then the next morning to gather up the cloth and these cloths being energized and blessed with Bridget healing power then can be used in whole form or what some people within our community have done is to bring back the cloth and then divide it in swatches and to give parts of the cloth out to others as healing talismans, amulets, and charms. Bridget being connected with the oak not only at Kildare, but through time and in many places. The oak is a symbol of the sun, of strength, of power, and the oak has its roots into the land. Some will work with Bridget 
as the goddess of oak, especially calling upon her strength, her resilience, her wisdom, her perseverance, her power in this form. A decoration that I use in my own home and in some Bridget rituals I facilitate is that of the golden acorn. Gold hearkening to her attributes and lore as goldsmith and blesser of goldsmith craft. The acorn connected with the oak and of magic. Bridget of the oak can also be invoked when one is undergoing life transitions. For an oak grows from a tiny acorn. It's a strong wood, a strong tree, can be a magnificent tree with many branches, a thick trunk, strong roots. One can imagine Bridget in the form of an animated oak an oak spirit of sorts. And some may call on Bridget in that form to bring strength, resilience, and power to self and to a situation. Bridget can help with personal transitions. As goddess of healing, she's also a goddess of birth and rebirth, a midwife. So in that form, can be a support of renewal and birthing new forms of self and life. As Bridget of the Forge, she can help with personal transitions. For just as metals can be tempered and purified and bent and shaped and made strong at the Forge, so can the Forge of life journey connected with Bridget can strengthen us and aid us in making necessary changes. As goddess of inspiration, we can call on Bridget for guidance as we navigate a change in our own identity and our own way of being. So we can work with Bridget as a goddess in one aspect 
or in several to aid us in life changes. Bridget, as mentioned before, can be honored throughout the year. One can develop a year-round practice with her. And at her special sacred time of Imok, we can deepen our connection with her through personal and household and group ceremony. A chant that I developed and that we've used at our Circle Sanctuary Imok um, ceremonies is this Bridget Festival Blessing chant. Bridget of the land, Bridget of this place, Bridget bless this festival and sacred space. Bridget of the land, Bridget of this place, Bridget bless this festival and sacred space. Bridget of the land, Bridget of this place, Bridget blesses festival and sacred space. Some of the activities we do at Imlok involving sacred work, including um, include creating a community altar where we bring symbols of Bridget in one or more of her aspects, paintings, sculptures, weavings, and we sometimes will have an altar specifically dedicated to things that we have crafted connected with Bridget. Because of her connection with sacred fire and another name for the Bridget Festival, and a name it got during the Middle Ages as the festival became Christianized is Candlemas. It's an old tradition to make candles at this time of year, to bless candles at this time of year that can be used throughout the whole year to come. Candles can be made in a variety of ways, some will get sheets of beeswax and create taper candles, rolling um, sheets of wax to form long, skinny taper candles. Others will do candle dipping to form tapers. Some will use molds to create pillar candles and candles of other shapes. Some will melt wax and fill tea lights, um, putting bits of wicks and wick holders and small tea light tins. We've done um, this wide variety of types of candle making over the years as part of our Imolk Festival. Having some type of healing work being done, a place of healing within a temple space or within a ritual process. Another thing that can be done at this sacred time is to fashion 
Bridget crosses, Bridget wheels. Most take the form of four arms in the cross or the wheel. There are ways to make a triple um, spinning cross. And you can work with straw or rushes or to have something friendly for all levels of crafting ability in all ages. Some will actually use some kind of flexible craft materials such as pipe cleaners, which can be um, kind of a fun way of being able to celebrate that crafting of a traditional Bridget symbol. Some not only fashion Bridget crosses at Imolk as part of celebrations, but will do a home blessing at this time. And indeed, Bridget crosses are commonly used today, as in older times, as home blessing charms, typically placed above the front door or somewhere near a threshold. Some have the tradition of taking a Bridget's cross and creating a new one each year and casting the old year's cross into a sacred fire to Bridget and then creating a brand new one. Others will craft a new one each year and continue to hold on to the old ones and place them out in nature or some other place where they become offerings to Bridget of nature. Creating a Bridget circle is another way of celebrating the goddess as well as her sacred time of year. Creating a Bridget circle can take a variety of forms. One can be to draw the circle clockwise, holding a Bridget's cross in one's hands, and to use that Bridget's cross to cast a sacred circle. Another way is to have candles placed in a ring around the ritual space and kindled. Still another way is to have in group ceremony everyone standing or seated in a circle, each having something to share regarding Imok regarding Bridget, so it takes the form of a sharing circle. A Bridget circle can be created with visualization and with chanting. One chant that I developed and have used in ceremonies at Circle Sanctuary and in some other locations, I have a community Bridget 
healing circle that I've taken to a number of large conferences and festivals over the years. It's my Bridget Circle chant. It goes like this. Circle of Bridget power. Circle of Bridget light. Circle of Bridget magic. Circle of Bridget bright. Circle of Bridget power. Circle of Bridget light. Circle of Bridget magic. Circle of Bridget bright. Circle of Bridget power. Circle of Bridget light. Circle of Bridget magic. Circle of Bridget bright. For individual work with this chant, one can walk the circle while chanting. One can stand in the center and move clockwise around as chanting. And for group ritual, people can join hands in a circle while chanting it, and people can walk clockwise in a circle while chanting this. If a rigid circle is put in place ritually at the start of a ceremony, it's a good idea at the end of the ceremony to give thanks and to release the circle in some way. And that can be done through visualization, through movement or combination. Some will cast a circle clockwise at the start of the ceremony and then release it counterclockwise at the end. Bridget work as part of spiritual practice can deepen our understanding of the divine in many forms, as well as Bridget in particular. Bridget work can enhance our own spiritual life. One can develop and deepen a relationship with Bridget as a form of the divine that is a constant guide to us in spiritual life. For others, work with Bridget is occasional, connected with a particular need, connected with a sacred time such as Imolk, Bridget can help spiritual practice of individuals, of a household, of a small group, of a larger community. Bridget began as a Celtic goddess, and there were variants of her name depending on where in Europe her worship was centered. The Brigantes tribe, Celtic people, and what's now known as England, called her Brigantia. They took her name 
um, for their tribe. Others know Bridget as Brige. Some call her Bride. And indeed, the name Bride, as in Bride and Groom, comes from her name. Some call her Brigid, Bridget, and some St. Bridget. She started as a Celtic goddess. But today, she is multicultural, interreligious, multilingual, and international. Not only are there a variety of individuals from a number of different spiritual paths, organizations, traditions, that are attuned to Bridget and working with her. There are also global networks in which people connect with each other face-to-face at times in cyberspace and um, other ways energetically in spiritual dimensions. Um, There's a whole set of networks of keepers of Bridget Flames. And people will take turns kindling a flame in honor of Bridget as a living representation of Bridget. Indeed, one of the traditions that has become very widespread in contemporary times is the idea of kindling a flame, honoring Bridget, calling the goddess into that flame, and then kindling candles from that sacred flame, extinguishing the candles and recognizing that the Bridget power is carried in the wick rekindling candles, and then using those candles from the kindling of the sacred Bridget Flame Shrine and kindling other candles, thus the passing of Bridget's sacred fire from household to household, from temple to temple, from church to church, from shrine to shrine. Just within the past year, there have been people within our own community of Circle Sanctuary who have made pilgrimage to Bridget's sacred site at Kildare and have kindled candles from the Kildare flame and have brought them back um, to those of us in the community. Bridget being a sun goddess and a goddess of springtime in many traditions, can be honored with the rising of the sun. Indeed, some say Bridget originated as a goddess of sun and dawn, of the waxing light, of the renewing power of springtime. One of the things that I do on a daily basis is devotions at my indoor 
Bridget Household Shrine, followed by going outdoors and calling on her as I greet the day and do a blessing for myself, for others, for the planet. It's a way of connecting with the divine at the start of the day. Another way to do sacred work with Bridget on a daily basis is to not only honor her in the morning, but honor her at the conclusion of the day, at sunset. One of the ways that I think is helpful in developing ways of working sacredly with Bridget is to keep some type of journal or archives of your Bridget work, guidance that you have received, rituals you have created, chants you've worked with or adapted or created, Bridget lore, Bridget symbols, to not only note what you've done, but your experiences in doing that work. By working with Bridget and tracking the kinds of things that you've done, you can deepen your connection and in so doing, Strengthen your ability to tune in, to listen, to be guided. It's important to not only honor Bridget, but to give thanksgiving, to express gratitude. You may find it helpful to have several Bridget symbols at your Bridget altar or Bridget shrine, a sun symbol, a symbol of her in one or more of her animal forms that include the swan, sheep, the snake, Indeed, she has been seen as a goddess of domesticated creatures. Some other symbols, the Bridget Cross, Bridget sculptures, icons, paintings, an acorn, oak leaves, an oak wand, sacred flames, a cauldron of water or a bowl of water representing her as goddess of the sacred waters, a goddess of light, 
a goddess of healing and well-being. And as one concludes sacred work with Bridget, one may wish to do a thanking. Bridget, we honor you. Bridget, we celebrate you. Bridget, we thank you. Bridget, we honor you. Bridget, we celebrate you. Bridget, we thank you. Bridget, we honor you. Bridget, we celebrate you. Bridget, we thank you. Bridget, peace upon you. Bridget, peace around you. Bridget, peace within you. Bridget, peace, inner peace. Bright Bridget blessings. Thank you for listening to Nature Folk tonight. I invite you to join me next week when we continue our explorations of the goddess Bridget with Bridget Meditations. I'll talk about some ways to meditate with her as well as guide several Bridget Meditations just in time for Imbolc Time and Bridget Night. And now I invite all of you listening to stay tuned for Circle Talk. And I invite David and Jeanette Ewing, who are part of our Circle radio team, who will be doing Circle Talk tonight, to come on and tell us what we have. We have a special guest tonight. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. And so who's our guest tonight that we'll have a chance to um, have conversation with on Circle Talk? So one of the things I wanted to do this particular month was catch up with some authors that we've had on the show and authors that we've had at various uh, Circle gatherings like PSG. And so this week we have Deborah Blake on, and she'll be coming on in just a few minutes. She has some books that have come out since we last spoke with her back in late 2016. She's got some new books, fiction and nonfiction, and she also has a new book that's going to be coming out later this year that we're going to talk to her some about. That is fabulous. And for more information about work that Circle Sanctuary does, I invite you to connect with us on the web, www.circlesanctuary.org, on Facebook, Circle Sanctuary Community, on Twitter, Circle Sanctuary, yes, and on Instagram. And you can find me in those various places on Instagram, Selena Fox, on Twitter, Selena underscore Fox, and on Facebook, 
Selena Fox updates, and I'll be posting some more information, some photos, some chants about Bridget. I posted an overview of some of the Bridget things that I'll be doing in coming days and weeks. And to conclude Nature Folk tonight and to take us into Circle Talk, we have Bridget of the Sacred Waters, a chant that I um, created and that Celia Abard, who has worked with Bridget a lot, set to music and put her on rhythms and spin to it. So stay tuned for Circle Talk and enjoy Bridget of the Sacred Waters. Sacred. 
Circle Talk Radio, a production of Circle Sanctuary's Radio Ministries program. Join us here every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern following the, following the Nature Folk program with the Reverend Selena Fox as we discuss various topics of interest to the pagan community. Circle Talk Radio is hosted on alternating weeks by Circle Sanctuary Ministers Jeanette and David Ewing and Circle Minister Deborah Rose. And before we begin, we would like to express our thanks to the Witches School International and their Pagans Tonight Radio Networks for allowing us this opportunity to reach the, our community. For more information about Witches School, please visit them on the web at www.witchschool.com. And for more information about Circle Sanctuary, please visit us on the web at www.circlesanctuary.org. One of these days, we'll teach you how to ring the bell properly, David. Yeah, but then, you know, things will just, reality will implode. Yeah. You know, if that happens. Yes. Once I gain musical talent, then everything we know will just end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the world as you know it will end. Yes, yes, exactly. I got you. Right, right. So, anyway, um, welcome to Circle Talk. This is David and Jeanette. And tonight, we are going to be talking with Deborah Blake, who is an author of non a variety of nonfiction, mm-hmm. pagan and Wiccan books, witchcraft books, as well as, and this is a little more than usual, an author of, and they look really cute, I think I'm going to have to... Get some of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Your we have some. your fiction series, um, and we're going to talk about these too. Yep. So she is an author, been practicing witch for many years, lives in upstate New York with a variety of four-legged creatures. Okay. And if you are ready, yep. Senior David. There she is. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, when I was scrolling, I um, I follow you on Facebook, so I've kind of kept up with the various things that you've been talking about. And one of the things you've been talking about lately is a new book that people can pre-order. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And that got me to thinking, when was the last time we had you on the show? Which had not been since late 2016, so I figured we were overdue. Cause which explains the email I got that said, "Hey, why don't you come on the show?" Yeah, because um, you came on sometime in the later part of 2016. August. Oh, so was it? It was August. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, you've had, you've let's see, you've had one, two, looks like two more fiction books that have come out, and then at least one nonfiction, the Everyday Witchcraft. And the tarot book. deck has come out since I was on. Well, I had a tarot deck come out. That's right. Oh, here's the, here's, yeah, January 2017, the Everyday Witch uh, Tarot. And you've got another one that you are working on now, which sounds really cool. So since it's New Year's, Sort of oriented things. I'm going to start by asking about the everyday witch tarot. Uh, what was your motivation in 
writing this and developing this as a set of cards? Actually, uh, you know, all of my nonfiction books about witchcraft are out from Llewellyn. I've been working with Llewellyn since my first book came out from them in, oh, good Lord, uh, 2007, I think. And um, I actually got an email one day from uh, Barbara Moore, who's in charge of their tarot department, and she said, you know, we've been thinking about doing a tarot deck that had you know, a slightly more whimsical touch to it, um, but was still serious and, and could still be used for real, you know, divination. And we thought your voice would be a very good fit for that. Would you be interested in doing it? And my first thought was, oh, my God, that's so much work, because it is. A, you know, a tarot deck is a huge undertaking. Um, it was, I'm guessing a two-year project and, you know, lots of work back and forth with the illustrator. And then I thought about it and went, crap, I can have my own tarot deck. How can I not do that? Um, so, so yeah, they actually asked me, which was very cool, and it was the most fun project I have ever worked on of all the projects I've ever worked on. The illustrator, Elizabeth Alba, is wonderful, and we really clicked and – you know, the three of us with Barbara, you know, were like this great team that had sort of all a unified vision for how we wanted it to turn out. And it's been very well received. People are, are finding it really accessible, which is what I was going for. Um, one of the things that motivated me was one of the women in my group, Blue Moon Circle, had been trying to sort of, you know, learn tarot for years and could never quite get comfortable with the traditional rider weight, which is what I use. It's a great deck, but it's sort of archaic in some ways, you know, especially the you know the little booklets that come with it or the books. Yeah, you know, they they don't relate very well to our modern life, and so I was trying to sort of update that into something that today's everyday witch could identify with. Gotcha. Um, it's funny you should bring up right away, because I know a lot of people have, but one of the first things that comes to mind when I think of some of the imagery, like there's the Hierophant, there are, and there are a few others that really... The Hierophant is the one I I have the toughest time with in that deck. I I always pull it out and go, what the heck is that supposed to mean in this reading? I mean, I've been doing professional readings in years. That card, it's funny you mentioned that particular card because that one always threw me. Some crusty old religious dude. I I don't resonate with that. It doesn't... Right. Uh, See now, and in my deck, it's actually a woman sitting in, you know, sort of a cross-legged yoga pose in front of two kids where, you know, she's doing the, it's that same idea of of a leader, a teacher, but it's something that people can, um, you know, get a grasp on. And when I talk about the card in the book, which, you know, that was a big part of my job was to write the book that went with it, that and, and you know, saying to the to the illustrator, this is how I think the picture should look, and then she'd send me back something brilliant. Um, people people ask me if I did the illustrations too, and I say no. You don't really want a tarot deck with stick figures. It would not. It would not be good. But the yeah, it's I'm I 
let's just say my artistic talents do not lie in that direction. Um, but yeah, the the card is actually based on the word hierophany, which means the manifestation of the sacred. The hierophant is one who teaches, who leads the way, who shows us how to manifest the spiritual in our own lives. And for me, when you've got this picture of people doing yoga, you know, that makes way more sense because most of us have some concept of what it means to take a yoga class or some sort of a class that you know, leads us on a spiritual path. Right, exactly. And David pulled up the images of these pictures. Uh, there's a few of them in a row here. It, 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 it was From some website here that has the high priestess, the hierophant, uh, the hermit, and the hanging man. And what I find funny about the high priestess, it's a picture of a witch. She's at a table. There's a black witch's hat. And there's a black cat on the table. And what is it doing, David? It's got a bag of something there that it's, or something that's messing with it. Yeah, it's messing yeah. with it. Runestones. It's, 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 it's playing with the runestones. Okay. Yeah. And, of course, it's knocked over because that's what cats do. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. There are a lot of cats in this deck. A lot, a lot of cats in this deck. We we totally get that. Yeah. We have eight cats, so. Oh, I feel um, so much better now. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you have you ain't got nothing on us. At one time, we had how many cats did we have? Like thirteen. Yeah. Because we had we had kittens. We had kittens that we were fostering. Yeah. So. Well, and I had yeah. I had five for a very long time, and unfortunately, over the last few years, there's been some attrition. I lost one. You know, three years ago and, and one two years ago, and then this month I lost two in nine days, which is pretty brutal, um, especially since one was my cat Magic, who was not just you know, my little pal and my best friend, but she was also my familiar and you know slept by my head every night. So that that was pretty tough. But yeah, she she shows up in that you know that that cat on that table, that little black cat messing with the rune stones. That is very huh. Miss mis- mis- Magic, you know, helping, helping in, you know, quotation marks. Uh, <laughs> I used to do, you know, tarot readings on the dining room table, and I have pictures of her literally lying across the tarot spread, which, you know, it makes it very hard to read. And I'm sure she was helping with her energy. You know, she was very much involved with, you know, ritual and all the rest of it. But, yeah, I'd be sitting there opposite whoever I was trying to do the reading for saying, just give me a second, I'll I'll move her. Sound familiar. Yeah, uh, we had a cat, uh, Buttons, who has also since passed. Um, Buttons was really into the full moon rituals that we used to hold at, our house, and she would have to be somewhere on or near the table. We'd always have to be really careful about her not getting too close to a candle and burning Mm -hmm. her tail. Yeah, inevitably. Whenever um, we had indoor rituals, which, you know, I had an outdoor circle, but, of course, in upstate New York, there's like three months of year you can use that. Um, but when, whenever we would have an indoor ritual, I have a circular altar table that we would set up in the middle of my living room, and she would come strolling into the room yeah, as we had gathered, walk around the table, always 
you know, clockwise in the correct direction, sort of greet everybody and would either sit under the table or on the back of the couch and supervise. And we knew that meant it was time to start the ritual. But her thing was sage wands. She just loved the sage. And I couldn't actually put it out on the table, you know, when I would set everything up ahead of time, that was the last thing to go on the table because I left it, if I left it there, she would jump up on the altar table and, yes, take the sage wand and, you know, tear it to shreds and roll in it. And, you know, it was her catnip. Wow. Yes, yeah, she was a very magical cat. She she is the epitome of why you have to be careful how you name your cats because, yes, the cat named Magic was, in fact, the most magical cat I ever had. Yeah, I mean we have Okay. We have a Loki. Um Oh, you and, didn't. That was yeah, silly. We did. But he's not completely Loki. Um It he just means he's a, mischievous. He is mischievous and he's actually kind of a cat dog. He follows us everywhere. Yeah, he's kind of a troublemaker though too, a little he bit. He is a troublemaker. Because he stirs stuff up with the other cats. Yeah. He just kinda of chases them around uh-huh. and Nothing too malicious or mean or anything. He just kind of he's the biggest, bggr one around, and right. you know, he kind of yeah. So he kind of stirs. Does he up give you that bit. little sly look after he's caused trouble? Like, ha see what I did? Yes. Or it's yeah, me. that's what a Loki. I, do? I yeah. didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do that. I, I, it wasn't me. I was across right. the room. I was not doing anything. Yeah, perfectly innocent. What you talking about? Yeah, he does also. Um, he has. Wormhole technology, so he does move from seeing. You know, you know what we mean when we say that. Um, I do. You know, uh, but he'll suddenly appear in a room, and we didn't hear him come upstairs or come into the room at all. Suddenly, no. he'll just be there. He does that a lot. You know, he's on another floor of the house asleep. And you go to the kitchen and move a bowl just right, and it makes just the right sound. And suddenly he's there in the kitchen behind you. Like, how did you get here? Yeah, it's so he does that. Too. Yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, yeah great so, cat. Yeah, to go back to the everyday witch chair, Um So, you know, you have. Yeah, we could talk about cats all night. We wouldn't get anything else discussed. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, what's cool, though, also about this is on the back of each card, it's a blue background with yellow stars, and it's got a broom and a black witch's hat, and then a little black cat, which is very apropos for uh-huh. this particular deck. That's really cool. And, it's, again, it's, I can see where your artwork inspiration comes from because – there's also a little black cat on the a year and a day of everyday witchcraft, and one of the although that I, cat looks a little a little peeved to me, I I don't know about that the cat on the cover of that. It looks like it's got a little attitude. And actually, if you look at my everyday witchcraft book, which was the one that came out in 2016, which I think we talked about, the little black cat on the cover of that book, it does appear to be a theme for my life. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got, yeah, the sleeping, she's sleeping, the yep, little candle. Yep, the, the yeah. sleeping cat oh, yeah. being held by the, by the witch holding the sage stick. Magic made me do that. But, yes, the year and a day of everyday witchcraft has, you know, it has the, the black kitty and it's got some crystals and a 
and a candle and, you know, again, more sage and some rosemary and, you know, sort of the things you use every day. Nothing, nothing fancy or, you know, expensive, just, you know, the, the, the things that we all have hanging around our houses. Exactly. And, yeah, we have the same things. Um, yeah. Although I would never be as bold as to have a candle close to any of our cats because they're not smart enough to. Yeah. Well, me either. I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't make the cover. Um, yeah. And and it's a, it's one of those symbolic things. No, I mean, and clearly that cat is wise enough to know what to do around flame, unlike our real cats. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Singed whiskers and stuff, right? Yeah, singed whiskers and eyebrows. Yeah, um, that that time when you go, what is that smell of burnt? Oh, no. Yep. Yeah, yeah, been there. So one of the things I was curious about with this book is, and I took a quick look through, let me, let me go scroll back to Amazon because it gives you, I hope people know this, that when you go to Amazon, that regardless of whether you pick what version you click on, the paperback or the Kindle version, mm-hmm. <coughs> you have a, uh, an ability to look inside. To preview. Yeah, to preview. Yeah, to take, the, a, take a peek at things. That is very handy because sometimes you look at books and you go, that looks great, I must have that. And sometimes you look at them and you go, Sadly, in my case, it's much more often. It's much more often to be go. Oh, I must have that. I I have a little book problem. It's you know, I I, I would you know do the twelve step program for it, except it would involve buying another book. Well, no, it's not a book problem. You have a library. Well, yeah, I, I do reading, actually. If you, there was an article that I just read like a day or two ago. Yeah, about having books around. That if if you are a person that has a lot of books around that you haven't read, but you still read, then that's actually a good thing because... I win, yay! I win, right. So it's not a bad thing that we haven't read every book that we have purchased yet, but... And I I have a lot of books that I have read, but I do, I have an extensive to-be-read shelf, both fiction and nonfiction. Mind you, I grew up in a library, so... <clears throat> you know, it, it comes naturally to me. My mother was a librarian and then a library director, and I worked in libraries. So, you know, for me, you know, books books are my jam. Gotcha. And um, and I actually have them separated out by subject. The nonfiction is organized by subject and alphabetized by author, and then the fiction is upstairs and alphabetized by author, yet. Yeah, it's a little scary. <laughs> um, we don't have it. We're not quite that organized. You know, at one time we did have all of our fiction books alphabetized by author, but then <clears throat> we kept moving them in and out and in and out. And I'm sure you do the same thing where you will – there are books that you'll read if, over again. If oh, you have it yeah. Read. Yeah, yeah. I've um, actually just spent, you know, the last – three weeks rereading one of my favorite sort of comfort read fiction authors because, you know, things had been really rough and I didn't even have the brain power to read a new book. I just wanted the books I knew made me happy. So, yeah, I I have some books that, you know, I reread often, some that are, I'm planning to reread someday, some books I haven't quite gotten to. 
books. I have the books. I I, I think this probably explains how I ended up writing books because, you know, I'm a big fan. Yeah, we. I think we're there. Yeah, we're there too. We're there. Definitely. Uh, Cats and books. If you people are into chocolate, we're best friends. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay, then. I don't, I mean, I feel bad for people who are allergic to chocolate. I don't understand people who don't like it. Yeah, Yeah, I I have a friend who's who's not into it, and I, she's a lovely woman. You know, she also drinks Coors Light, which I don't think is really beer, so. And yet she is, she is a cook and a baker and is, you know, fabulous with food. It's just, yeah. She's got a few little flaws, but but she's you know one of my beloved circle members, and I love her anyway. Yeah, you know, I put up. And hey, if she doesn't drink the good beer or eat the good chocolate, then there's more for me. That's true. I hear you. Um, yeah, I'm scanning. So you were looking at a year and a day of everyday witchcraft. I am, are, and yeah, yeah I'm, I'm still stuck. Oh, you're talking about kitchen alchemy. Yeah, so for, Oh, that's one of my favorite example, things, this, Kitchen Alchemy. Yeah. Well, yeah. the way I look at, at, you know, I mean, I as you see, lots of my books are talking about everyday witchcraft or the everyday witch. And my sort of theme to my writing, if there is one, for the witchcraft books, is that being a witch is not about full moons and holidays, although those are wonderful. You know, I love them. But it's about how you walk your talk every day, and it's about integrating your spiritual beliefs with your everyday life. Because, you know, back in the old days, people didn't separate out their spirituality and how they lived their daily life. It was all wrapped up together. And since most of us don't have a ton of extra time to set aside to follow our spiritual path, I try and show people ways to easily do it you know, as they're doing other things. And Kitchen Alchemy is the perfect example of that. You got to eat. You know, most of us cook at least, you know, a few times a week. Many of us cook every day. And you can add little bits and pieces of magic to the things you were going to make anyway to give yourself that little boost of power and spirit while you were doing something you were going to have to do anyhow. Right. Uh, another thing that you have exactly. in this book is, well, you've got a variety of information in here, but one of the things that you have that I like is in the index section, you have a list of affirmations. And I think that is one of those things that's an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. doesn't take that much time to do, and it can be something that can be incorporated into one's everyday life. And you've got a variety of them. And yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah, I think I have one for every month, I'm pretty sure. I mean, this is a year-and-a-day book, so obviously it's got 300 and, well, 366 days, actually, because it's a year-and-a-day, not just a year, because, you know, we witches. Um but, you know, I I tried to put, you know, practical information and interesting information mixed with things that would give you a boost, you know, and the affirmations, they're so simple. You know, you don't you don't have to, you know, have an hour to to do anything with them. You know, all you need is is a minute or two, which, you know, I think 
almost all of I mean, you can do them in the shower. You know, there's you know, you don't have to have, you know, anything special like um one of my favorites is the October affirmation, which is I am the magic and the magic is me as a way to reinforce your connection to magic and reaffirm your own witchy powers, which we could all use from time to time. And it's as simple as saying, I am the magic and the magic is me. There is no separation between us. I am the magic and the magic is me. Doesn't that like put goosebumps on your arms? It does. That's cool. Yeah. And it's, and if you take the moment to do it, you know, focus on, on the saying, which you, you know, kind of really reflect on what you're saying there, it can really set your tone, like, for the day, if you do it, you know, doing it in the mornings, like, because you're exactly. ready for the day. Yeah. Um, so it's also a good, good thing to do, you know, if, if you're going to do magical work, you know, it's not a bad way to start. Or, you know, say you're going to use a tarot deck and you want a little boost. Or if you're just having a bad day. You know, and yeah. one of the things about a book like this, you know, some people use it by you know, starting on the 1st of January and going straight through and doing every single day, which is great. Some people open the book randomly and figure that whatever pops up is the thing that they need. So, you know, maybe you'll open the book one day and it'll be, oh, October 18th, there's this affirmation. That was clearly the thing I needed today. Or you can do, you know, look at, what as Jeanette did, look in the back of the book and go, oh, here's a bunch of different affirmations. Which one, which one would help me today? I am that person that does tend to look at the back of the book. One of the first things I'll do is, I'll look in the index section just yeah. to see cool, interesting stuff authors add. To, right. You know, like, for example, Cunningham, one of the reasons why I liked his books is that he had all these cool correspondences that went with air, earth, fire, water, you know, right. things associated with that, like stones or herbs or what have you. And then he had things associated with various specific magical intentions. And yeah, I have a I whole would... bunch of his books that I use for reference. His his stuff shows up in my books a lot because he was one of my sort of go-to, you know, teachers via book kind of people. Uh, oh, yeah. He yeah. was with us, too. And, in fact, uh, we had the earlier – we still have the earlier versions of some of them because re- – The covers got redone and stuff. The, yeah, the covers got right. redone. Um, and you'll get, you will laugh at this, we had the earlier edition of the uh, Encyclopedia of Herbalism, Herbal Magic, yeah. is that what it's called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the older cover on there, the circa 70s, whatever, 80s looking cover, and we had to get rid of it. Why did we have to get rid of it, David? Oh, because somebody was upset with us. Yeah, somebody was upset with us. One of our four-leggeds was upset. Probably a, a cat. Oh, bad things hot. happened to the book. Yeah. Uh, we had to replace it. But, you know, yeah, so, I mean, those things will happen. Right. So he's always been our go-to for, you know, when we were starting out and just as a as an ongoing reference anyway. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it's nice to see you know, what other ideas people have, and, and you, you can't stick with that, you know, okay, great, Cunningham was great, he's got awesome stuff, but, you know, people have grown and learned and learned and grown since then and come up with new ideas and new ways of thought. Well, and, and you stuff. have to, 
Yeah, yeah, and you have to to listen to your own internal voice, which, you know, you can say, all right, you know, this book says this stone is good for, you know, healing and prosperity. Well, you know, I'm being called to use it for, you know, protection. And, you know, certainly, you know, everybody has their own take on things, and there's no right or wrong in you know, I think the the more you practice witchcraft yourself, the more you sort of veer from that original path and start adding your own spin on things. Um, yep. Stop chewing on that, Harry. Sorry, Harry Harry Dresden was chewing on the 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 nice ribbon that you know, is in the the everyday witch tarot kit. You know that pulls the book out and it, well, it's, ribbon. it's now sort of. Yeah, well, it is, and now it's a wet sort of gummy ribbon. I didn't put that away fast enough when he hopped up next to me. Yes, this is this is my new guy. When I lost my my beloved magic and mystic, I the house was way too empty. I only, I only had Angus left, and getting down to one cat, you know, they will kick you out of the crazy cat lady union if you only have one cat. That's like you're so disqualified. So I immediately went out and and I asked Magic when she was when she was dying, you know, her last couple of days to guide me to my next cats because she'd been bossing me around for 16 years. I figured this was a good opportunity for her to continue to do so. Um, and so yes, I've got this little five-month-old black guy who I named Harry Dresden after the wizard. And there's a series of of fiction books uh, about a a wizard in Chicago and. Uh, my my Harry is kind of mouthy, gets into trouble a lot, but you wouldn't want anybody else by your side when things go bad, and that's sort of what the wizard Harry Dresden is like. So, so yes, I've I've got Harry. He's been here for a week and a half or so, and he and Angus are already best buds, which is very nice. And uh, yeah, we're we're starting to get to know each other. I don't. I don't think he's a magical cat. I think he's just a sweetie. Uh, just a friend, a buddy. buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Buddy. But that's okay. I'm. I'm. I'm getting two more the first week in February that I've already found, and we're just waiting. They're they're seven months old, and the little girl hadn't been fixed yet, so we're waiting for her to get uh, neutered because all my cats get spayed and neutered, um, and then they will be coming to live with me, and, and I'm hoping that one of them will be the new magical cat. We will see. Gotcha. And but, but then I'll be back up to four, so I get to stay in the Crazy Cat Lady Union. That's Phew. good. That's There's a close one there. <laughs> just, just barely. <clears throat> just barely, because yeah. you have yeah. only, you only Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it is worth noting with this particular book that the way you've written it is you do have dates, you know, January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and, you know, uh, quite a bit of information otherwise in the book. But it's worth noting that you can, you don't have to only use this in 2018 or what have you. It's good for any year. Because it's good for any year. Yeah. So Absolutely. Well, and you know, I because it came out in October, I had some people who specifically said they were going to start using it on Samhain and work their way from the end of October through and circle back around, which you can also do. I mean, it's it's 
sort of written with January being the start of the year because you got to start someplace. But there's no wrong way to use the book. You know, you can you can you know, go back and forth. You can read three you know days in one day if you have extra time, and then do the next one. Whatever anybody wants to do with it, as long as they don't let their cats pee on it, you know that would be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Although, um, although, as long as they replaced it with another one, I guess it'd be all right. Well, we ended up buying the newer version, and okay, that's fine. It does have some the newer Cunningham herbalism book does have a few updated things, which are useful. But yeah, it was just it was highly annoying. But it's worth noting that that I think that particular book was so beat up that there were pages coming loose. Right. Yeah. yeah. The the books you use the most do do take a beating. But yeah, I was I was actually very pleased with the way the year and a day book came out. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I wrote this one was well, first of all, I love year and a day books. I mean, I love those 365 day books. I mean, I have ones for writers, I have ones for spirituality, you know, a goddess 365 book, you know, and I love being able to, you know, end my day like right before I go to bed by opening the book and getting this little bit of inspiration or or knowledge or whatever it is. And so I'd always sort of had it in the back of my head that I'd like to do one. And people had been asking me for, you know, a devotional or, you know, something like that. So I sort of tried to combine all of those things in in this sort of little you know, practical and easy to use book. Hopefully I succeeded. People seem to be liking it. Cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, the, it's good when you slave okay. over something for a year and people like it. I I really you know, it makes it so much easier to slave over the next one for a year if it turns out that people like the last one. <laughs> God yes, that's true. And for everybody listening now and in the future, you can buy it on Amazon in paperback form and in Kindle form. Uh, I am a yep. paper book person, so I'm sort of funny. I, you know, I'm for my witchcraft books. It's paper all the way because I want to be able to pick them up and leaf through them and and do things. For my fiction books, my book I read with breakfast has to be paper at night when my eyes are really tired i'm getting old um i have taken to reading things on kindle at night before bed so you know it'll it'll depend on what i'm reading but yeah my my witchcraft books you know i god i don't think i have any of them on kindle i think they are all paper because you know i yeah i want to pick them up and leaf through them and see what jumps out at me and you know and Oh, exactly. I have little post-it notes on things. I have, you know, bookmarks, you know, scraps of tissue paper, you know, you you name it. You know, if I've got all sorts of odds and ends marking my, marking the pages that I want to go back and look at, and or things I've used for research, and I want to remember where it was. Yeah, and and for me, you know, especially with the spiritual books, I want to I want to touch them. I just that's my thing. But you know, for people, you know, who who don't have room for, you know, libraries in their houses, there's nothing wrong with getting it on a Kindle or a Nook. You know, my books are, I mean, they're out from Amazon. They're also, you can get them from Barnes & Noble, um, you know, e-books. You can get them straight from Llewellyn. Um, 
actually Everyday Witchcraft just came out as my first audio book from Llewellyn. So for the folks who are you know, oh. big audio book enthusiasts, yeah, that was kind of exciting, you know, so, so that, was, that was cool. I don't know how they often they actually do that. Which one was that? The Everyday. Yeah, that was oh, yeah. Everyday Witchcraft. Making Time for Spirit in a Too Busy World, that was the one that came out in yeah. 2016. So, yeah, that was that was my, the first one. They don't do a lot of audio books for Llewellyn. It's, it's a pretty rare thing, so I was actually quite pleased. And actually, n- this year's book, which will be out in October, which is the little book of cat magic, um, dedicated to my babies, of course, that's going to be my first hardcover book, which I'm pretty excited about. That's it's gonna be a small book, but it's it's actually gonna be a hardcover, which is, is kinda of cool. Oh, that's cool. It's, right. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's almost like I'm a real author eleven books later. <laughs> hardcover, yay. So, yay. Um, yeah. Am I correct in saying that it's up for pre order from Llewellyn? Um I th- I I know I found it on Amazon, and when I looked two days ago, Barnes & Noble didn't have their pre-order up yet, but uh, they probably do now or will in the next day or two because they're not usually very far behind Amazon. And if Amazon's got it, got it I'm pretty sure Llewellyn has got it too. I haven't you know, done the the rounds to put up all the links on my website yet, which you know, if people, if people go looking at my website, and I'll put it up on my blog. Well, the the reason why I asked about it is because, weirdly, because, okay, not every, I know Amazon is super big and all, but there's not a direct link to, you know how if you're an author has books on, a, you know, particular subject, subjects, then Amazon will list, you may also like these books by this author. And maybe because this is a pre-order it doesn't come up like that in Amazon. Yeah, you'd have to look look back at the everyday, you know, like a year a day of, of everyday witchcraft or something and see. Because I think usually what shows up underneath is, you know, other people who bought this book bought, you know, these books. And then there's right. usually a string, a string of my books and, you know, a couple of other books you know, people's things. So right. um and and then my fiction will show up in there too, which just confuses people who don't know I write fiction too. Because I do I have paranormal romance and urban fantasy novels which shockingly enough have witches in them. Go figure. I don't know. It's like a theme. Um but yeah, so I have a series of um paranormal romance books out from Berkeley which are an updated version of the Baba Yaga fairy tale, basically about the you know the Russian witch. Of course, you know, minor are right. cuter and kick ass. So you've got the the Dangerously series, which right, which is so an is, offshoot from the Baba Yaga. The, there's the Baba Yaga books, but, and there are three of those, and I think three novellas, and then the. The Dangerously Charming and Dangerously Divine, those are the first two of three in the Broken Riders book, which the Broken Riders were um, minor characters in the Baba Yaga books, and then they get their own books. And oh, they got um, then I, yeah, the yeah. yeah, because you've got the Wickedlies, so you've got Wickedlies, right, yeah. and you've got 
Yep, um, wickedly dangerous, wickedly wonderful, and wickedly powerful. Those are the Baba Yaga books. And then, yes, you know, Dangerously Divine is the one that just came out. When did yep. that come out? Uh, oh, recently, it was just out uh, November, the end of November. Because I remember oh. I was trying to gear up, gear up for the holiday season. Because I run an artist cooperative shop, and I was trying to do promotion for the book while also trying to madly make jewelry to sell at the shop I run. And it was, yeah, it was a little crazy, whoa, whoa, crazy. And then I've got the the Veiled Magic series, which is, are just out as eBooks, um, also from Berkeley, which are urban fantasy about a witch cop who talks to dead people. Um, yeah, that oh. Kind of thing. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a little, little fun stuff. But the, my favorite oh. thing about the Baba Yaga books is the Baba Yagas in the old fairy tales were associated with these dragons known as Chudo Yudo. And so each of my – I have three different characters who are each a Baba Yaga, and they each have a dragon that travels with them. But, of course, because in the modern world you'd probably notice a dragon um, – they're all disguised. So Barbara, the first Baba Yaga you meet, hers is disguised as a giant white pit bull. And then right. in the second book, it's a gigantic Newfoundland. And then in the third book, after people went, you're a cat person. How do you, how come you just have dogs on the cover of your books? I'm like, that's the way they came to be. It's not my fault. But then the third one was a giant Norwegian forest cat. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, so they, you know, they're, they're dragons. There's fun things. It, they're the one I'm working on right now, which is the third uh, writer book. There's actually dragons and pirates and bar fights and um, yeah, all sorts of fun things. Like yeah, I mean if you if you can't have fun writing the fiction books, you probably shouldn't be doing them. So yeah, I had a good time That's with that true. one. That one will probably be out in the next couple of months. Okay. Um, yeah, and the, uh, the Dangerously books, for those who are interested in this sort of thing, um, the Broken Rider novels, um, there's a hot dude on the front of each one of them, and next to a motorcycle. With a motorcycle. There's a theme. There's a theme. There's a theme, yep. Well, the riders from the old mythology, the Russian mythology, there were these three riders, the black rider, the red rider, and the white rider, and they each rode an enchanted steed. And again, you'd probably notice somebody running down the street on a white horse, so the white rider has a white Yamaha, and the red rider has a red Ducati, and the black rider has a black Harley. And actually, my first Baba Yaga, Barbara, has a classic BMW because I went out with a guy who had a classic BMW, and I loved that motorcycle. I'm I'm actually, ironically, not a motorcycle person. I mean, I don't have one. My dad still has them. My dad's in his 80s, and he's still got, I think, two motorcycles. Um, so I, you know, I grew up riding on the back of his motorcycles, but I don't ride drive one myself. I have a, I have a Honda Fit. I'm so boring. I'm like, <laughs> yes, little compact car, but but hey, it's it's a cute little Honda Fit, and its license plate says Blue Moon C after Blue Moon Circle, so it's magic too. There you go. There you go. Okay. We we got we got you. Uh, we have a vehicle that has 
uh, a Celtic god on, for the license plate. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we had Cronutus and, and Caridwen were our vehicles, <laughs> but we had to trade in Caridwen. So oh. we have Little Baby Red um, until it gets renamed. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you the 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 name of the car is actually um uh let's see if it's I don't use it very often. It's uh it's basically the Latin for blue moon. Um so uh, Luna uh Cerulea. Uh right. so, so yeah, so uh yeah, it's still one way or the other that's the actual name of the car, except yes, I tend to call it that little blue car because yeah, it's it's simple that way. But yes, uh, Angus, my my the one last remaining cat of the original five, his name is actually Angus Mack after the Celtic god. So there you okay. go. Gotcha. <laughs> but no Loki. <laughs> no Loki. No. no, no. I I I am a crazy woman. I am not crazy enough to name a cat Loki. Oh no. Well, we looked at him, and we knew that he was going to be a little troublemaker, so it's... He yep. was as a kitten at the very well, beginning, and so... truly cats name themselves. I mean, you, you basically, you know, you, you hang around with them until they tell you what their name is. And, you know, magic was always magic, and, and you know, her brother Mystic, you know, that was his name, and their mom was Minerva. Um, when I adopted her, the, I got them all from the shelter when the kittens were kittens, and Minerva was they thought probably a year or so old and she had been brought in by these people who basically said this damn cat got pregnant you take her to the nice folks at the shelter and her original name was patsy i was not gonna have a cat named patsy you know i'm sorry you gotta draw the line somewhere that's where i draw it so patsy became minerva and you know it, it, it worked out you know she was definitely much more of a minerva than a patsy right well, our big gray cat that we had, we named him Hoss because he was a big gray cat with a big apple head kind of thing, all Siamese looking and stuff. And we named him Hoss. Yep. But he moved in with neighbors. His neighbors moved in with him and brought him in, and they left him behind because they left him out all the time. So we took care of him and stuff. He adopted us. But right. They called him Tucker. It was like, he's not a Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. yeah. So, I, my, my cat Mystic that I just lost was a giant gray cat. He was, he weighed about 17 pounds. Um, in fact, I just, picked up his his ashes today and his box is much larger than the ones i have for his mother and his sister because he was such a huge cat apparently they couldn't fit his ashes in a regular sized little box for a cat but yeah he was he was so big you know his shoulders were a couple of inches above you know most of the other cats in the house and i live in this slightly rickety old farmhouse and when he would come down the stairs the whole house would shake now, part of that was because he was a big cat. Part of it was because it's a rickety old house. But people would be like, what is that? I'm like, that's just the cat coming down the stairs. No, we we understand completely. We have you a have cat. Kids? No, we have cats. No, it, we have one. His name is Patches, and he's a great big white cat with tabby patches, hence the name. And it sounds like a person walking up and down the stairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, um... You got a book coming out. You got a bunch. You just did. I mean, 2017 was busy for you. I know. You had quite a It was. I'm very tired. <laughs> it, was, it was. And you got to understand that not only are the, you know, the, 
there are a bunch of books that came out. I'm always working on the next book. So while I'm trying to, you know, promote the books that just came out and do revisions, because there's, you know, you've got this whole cycle of, you know, you write the book, you send it in, then there's revisions, and then there's, you know, copy edits, and then there's proof edits. So it's this whole, you have to keep rereading it and looking for boo-boos and, you know, things like that, talking to your editor. So, yeah, it was it was a pretty crazy year and then having you know two ill cats at the same time was a real a real challenge mystic had been battling cancer since march so um yeah it was it was a full year i'm hoping that 2018 will be as good but a little quieter and calmer (laughs) although of course it didn't it didn't start out all that well losing two cats in january but it's all going up from here and we have a few minutes left, and the last thing I want to mention is this thing that you're going to down in Daytona Beach, which sounds a lot better than upstate New York with, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's at the end of February, yeah. which is a really good time to get the heck out of upstate New York. Occasionally I would go to PantheaCon, where Selena's going to be, and I'm sorry to miss her because I love her Bridget rituals. Um, but it is tricky to get all the way across the country in February, a little bit easier to go to Daytona Beach. And ironically, although it is a, you know, a fiction convention, it's called Coastal Magic. So, you know, it's, you know, paranormal romance and urban fantasy authors and, you know, a little bit of contemporary romance kind of stuff. And it's right on the beach, which is wonderful. It's really relaxed. There's a whole lot of authors that go to it. So one of the bonuses for me is I get to hang out with other authors I like, which is great. And it's really reader intensive. So, you know, there's, you know, like 100 150 authors, I want to say something like that, and you know, maybe, you know, 350 reader participants. So there's a lot of one-on-one time and and we do fun, you know, panels and, you know, I'm I'm taking part in a little sort of spoofy theater thing this year. It, you know, it's it's really a blast. And, um, you know, for me, it's a nice little break from reality for a few days. I mean, yes, I have to go put my author face on and, and be all, like, perky and stuff. Um, I can fake it. Uh, but on the other hand, did I mention it was on the beach? <laughs> right. So there you go, uh, beach. Yeah. Right. In and- Florida in February. It is, um, yeah, it's, and February. some years it's, yeah, go ahead. yeah, yeah, some, some years the beach in February in Florida is kind of cold and rainy and not very pleasant, and some years you luck out and it's actually very nice. Well, that's what they ran into about the whole spring break thing back in, you know, back in the day, all the kids going out of the beach, Daytona stuff for spring break in March. And, you know, MTV doing the whole thing about, look, spring break, everybody's on the beach, the bikinis, and the swimsuits and everything. And it was, like, cold. Yeah, I'll you know bet. I mean? Yeah, cause, because, yeah, the first year I went, it was, it was uh, I think, you know, 45 degrees and rainy. And luckily, the second two years, it was, it was a little bit nicer. But, you know, I remember sitting there going, I could be home. It was 45 degrees and rainy at home. Why am I here? Except for the fact that, of course, that it's a lot of fun. Um, and I just love being at the ocean. That's one of my favorite things. I love that energy. And, in fact, Harry Dresden, my new cat, his his name that they had given him at the 
the rescue organization was Ocean, which is one of the reasons I knew he was supposed to be my cat. I thought it was sort of an odd name to give to a black cat, which is why he didn't keep it. He wasn't really an ocean, but I I thought it was a cool a cool sign. It is. And that's a, so this convention, this thing is a Thursday Thursday through Sunday. Um, ninety bucks. Um, yeah, I mean that's a deal. And the and the hotel this we're at a new one this year, but the hotel's reasonably priced. And you know you can always stay at other nearby hotels if you want to, but yeah, it's it's really very low key and full of fun, and you get to hang out with you know some really cool authors and and me. So so yeah, everybody go sign up and come see me. Yeah, the hotel's one hundred thirty nine a night. That's not bad for you know Daytona Beach and all that stuff. No, yeah. it's, it's really not. Hence, hence the February. Um, you know, I mean, one of the the reasons of, for doing it in the off season, you know, is that it's a little less expensive. But yeah, it's actually one of the less expensive conventions I go to, and you do get a lot of bang for your buck. It's a it's a blast, and um, yeah, it's just you know what I love is that it, you know it is there is there's nothing intense about it. It's everybody is so laid back. There's you know there's a dance party. There's yeah, giveaways. You know, it's it is fun. And did I mention me? I'm I'm gonna be there. So, yeah, people people, people should well, come hang have, out with me. To, uh, like Saturday, you have lunch with an author, public book sale, book signing. Um, oh yeah. yeah, there's a huge book signing with all these, and you can go if you go to the you know Coastal Magic website which is easy to find, um, you know, there's a list of all the authors who are already signed up to be there. So you can see if your favorites are going to be there. I mean, there's, there's, there's some names that are way bigger than me. Let's just say, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, not that I'm tiny, but you know, there's, there's some, some pretty cool people going to be there. Oh. And also ocean. <laughs> yeah. And if, you're already, you know, if you're listening and you're already sick of the cold weather, um, take a trip. Yeah. Yeah, come see me. We'll have fun. I might even bring a, a tarot deck. You never know. You know sit or, sit around, you know. Yeah, there's a game night. They do a cinema craptastique where they take a really bad old movie and make fun of it. <laughs> oh wow. Really? Yeah. No, it's it's a fun fun conference. It really, you know, and and then you get to discover new authors. I I came home that first year with like five new favorite authors who I'm still reading their books. So, you know, it's yeah, it's it's fun. And you know, people if you want to follow me on Facebook or Twitter, you know, I'll I'll talk about this stuff more. You can you can find information on my blog and, you know, I'll post something on my on my website, you know, as soon as I get my act together. Yeah, that website stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I also yeah. I just started a new thing because I didn't have enough on my plate. I'm now doing a Patreon, Patreon, I don't know how that gets it, Patreon, I guess, which is a thing where people can support the authors or artists or whoever it is that they like um and depending on the level like you can you can you know support them for a dollar a month just for the heck of it which i actually do with a few people um and for you know like five dollars a month everybody gets you know a spell i post a spell every month and then you get you know slice of life updates pictures of the cats 
And at the $25 a month level, which seems like a lot, but, you know, it's a meal out, um, I actually do live witchcraft classes once a month for the folks who follow me at that level. And, in fact, um, this month on the 31st when we have the blue moon and the eclipse, I'm going to be doing a live ritual. So if people are interested yeah. in that, they should go go look me up at Patreon, Deborah Blake, and uh, you know see if that's something they'd want to get into. That's cool, and you got a link to it right off your homepage. Um, I'm just everywhere. <laughs> the the thirty dollar um, after six months of thirty dollars support, your name or the name of your choice is included in a piece of fiction. I mean that's just cool. Yeah, you can you can have like a character named after you, or I knew you know people will put like their their dog or their cat in there. They'll say you know you know, name name you know an animal after after my pet. Yeah, it's it's kind of a neat thing. And if you if you really want to get extravagant and, and go up to the fifty dollar a month level, I'll actually do like a monthly tarot reading. You know, live you know kind of thing. So yeah, there's you know, and if you don't have $50 a month, which goodness knows, many of us do not. You know, there's, you know, $1 or $3 or $5. So, yeah, there's a lot of options and, and, you know, there's a little, it gives me a way to have people support me while I give something back, which is important to me. I don't, I don't want to just take everybody's money. That's the same thing with the books. You buy my book, you're supporting me, you know, and my publisher, which is always good. Um, And my cats, which, you know, I appreciate people buying my books so I can buy cat food. Yeah, food and litter. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, that's our life. So that's cool. Um, and that's what's kind of cool about Patreon is that you can support your local artists, your favorite artists, and there's usually some sort of benefit structure included with everything, you know, stuff. Um, and uh, which kind of builds a, a level of interaction between the supporter and the artist which is right well you're invested in each other which is very cool i mean i i've just started doing this i've actually been following other people you know supporting other people for the last few years um and and i actually started doing it because when mystic got sick he was on this medication that literally cost three hundred dollars a month and he was on it for months, and I, I thought, oh, my God, I have to raise some money somehow. And somebody suggested, you know, that I had enough fans that might want to be part of that support system. And so, I, you know, I said, oh, I'll give it a shot. And, yeah, so far it's it's pretty cool. They were the first people to meet Harry Dresden. You know, the the Patreon people got to see, you know, the the new cat, you know, two days before everybody else did. So they were, like, ahead of the curve. <laughs> Good times. Okay. Let's see. Uh, I'm kind of getting lost on the internet with that stuff. So. Yeah, you can chase me down a rabbit hole. <laughs> really? Um, ooh, bright and shiny. Um, okay. So we got the new books. I am new bright cat. and shiny. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> 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 I made you laugh. It's so funny. I'm broke. I'm broken. I'm done. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's you know, you've talked to me for an hour. That's as much as most people can handle. But I mean, this convention you're going to be at is really cool. 
to look forward to, and, and looking forward to other things you might be at, um, you know, down the road so the folks have a chance to meet you and, and kind of connect and stuff. So we'll follow you on Facebook and watch your website. Um, are there any other ways to see what you're up to? Um, well, I do. I have a, a regular blog, um, Deborah Blake Blogspot. Really complicated names here. Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, I I'm on Facebook a lot and Twitter a fair amount. Um, I haven't gotten into you know like the Instagram and stuff because frankly, if I add one more thing, my head's going to explode. Um, but yeah, my my blog, I you know I post fairly regularly, and you know Facebook and Twitter, you can definitely find me there. Um, and yeah, you know I I pop up places like this, and and you know if you follow me on on you know Facebook or or you know places like that, I'll usually say, oh hey, I'm going to be here in whoops. Minutes. I should have told you earlier, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm around, and I do. I mean, I love meeting my fans. I really I love to meet the people who read my books, and so if I'm if I'm ever any place, and you happen to you know spot me, by all means, come up and say hello. Excellent. You bet. Well, thank you for being on the show, and we've talked about a variety of things. And if you You'll are have to come back and, and talk about the little book of cat magic at some point. Yeah, when it comes I mean, out, uh, yep. I think there'll be a great time to have you on. I'm looking forward to seeing After that. Spending book. an hour talking about cats and cat magic. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking this is our book. This is the this is the one. <laughs> so so yeah, <laughs> we can definitely do that. Okay. And then it'll be close to Samhain too, which will be cool. Cat whiskers. You know, right. um, <laughs> cat whiskers and cat fur. Oh, yeah. Yep, all that good stuff. Okay. Well, you guys are a blast, so I will be happy to come back anytime you want me. You just give me a yell. Great. That is awesome. And we would like to thank you for being on the show and thank Witches School for allowing us to mm-hmm. come on the air every week with a wide variety of topics and guests, and we'd like to thank Circle Sanctuary for allowing us to be part of the Circle Radio Ministry Series. That's it. I just want to thank everybody for for listening and and supporting us and supporting Circle and supporting Miss Deborah Blake and and all of our fine uh, friends that... uh, that are keeping us all interested and informed and helping us all grow and learn as a community, which is awesome. So thank you, thank you. And we're going to close out tonight with uh, just a door standard. Okay. Spiral rhythm, if I can find it. Rolling through the list. All right, here it is. Well, on the console thing here, there's a whole list of songs that we have uploaded that we have licensing and stuff, agreements to use and everything. And, of course, Spiral Dance is down to the S's. Um, ah, so that's a long way to go. i got to get down there. Oh, here it is. Cool. So we usually close out with One Spirit by Spiral Rhythm. Um, so thank you, Deborah, for joining us. It's been a blast. And uh, It has been. Thank you so to- much for having me. Well, we look forward to following you online and watching the, the adventures of Mag- – of, uh, of, uh, Young Harry Dresden. Young Harry Dresden. Young Harry Dresden. 
when you see him riding a reincarnated dinosaur, you know that it's it. You've read the books. You've read oh, the yes. books. We, we have all the books. Many times. Yes, many times. We are so <laughs> Yes, if, if he starts riding Sue around the, the house, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I guess we'll say goodnight on that note. <laughs> all righty. Good night. Good night. Good night. One spirit in the dark, like a candle wavers. Many spirits joined as one, burn with the power of the blazing sun. There is strength in community.
are listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 